on, everybody? It is really, really good to be here today. Um, I know many of you. I don't know some of you. So for those I don't know yet that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting, I'm Andrew. Um, I am uh, recently a church planter to Columbus, Ohio, which is my hometown. It's where I grew up. Prior to that, I spent two years here at Highland um, on staff with Ben um, and being a part of this incredible family. And so, um, so for those of you who are new since I've left, congratulations, you found an incredible church to be a, a part of. Um, it's an amazing place. When, when my wife and I uh, got the call of God to go home and to plant a church, um, it was not a call that we expected. It was not something that we um, ever aspired to, and it was extremely difficult uh, leaving this place and these people. They mean the world to us, and so um, I hope that, that you'll find they mean the, the world to you as well. Um, but it is great to be back. It's been five months and eight days, 161 days, but I don't, I'm not counting. Um, but it, it's, it's been that long, which is a little bit surreal. On the one hand, it seems like it was just yesterday that we left. Um, on the other hand, it seems like it was an eternity ago. Um, driving around town's a little bit, a little bit strange. It just, you know, you know, when you go back to a place where you spent a lot of time and gave a lot of your heart to, um, and it still feels a little like home, but it's not the same. Um, that's kind of how it's been driving around the last couple of days, but it is good to be here on this stage, um, seeing so many uh, friendly faces. Um, it is, it's truly an honor, so thank you guys for having me today, um, allowing me to speak to you a little bit, and uh, putting up with me again. I kind of figured, like, once you got rid of me, you wouldn't want me back, but, um, but it's nice to be here. So Ben did ask me to preach, so I should probably do that. Um, so I'm going to let you into a little bit of a secret uh, about myself. For those of you who know me well, this is not going to be a secret at all. For those who don't know me, uh, maybe, I don't know. Um, but, uh, but there are times in my life uh, where sometimes, every now and then, uh, I have a little bit of a problem with anger. <laughs> Can anybody relate to that? Um, I, I try really, really hard to not let it be a problem, and you know, I, I hope that as I've gotten older... Um, I've been able to kind of temper that a little bit more. Um, I don't usually ask my wife if I've been able to temper that more because she doesn't give me the answer I want. Uh, but uh, but, but I, I think I've done a pretty good job of figuring out over the years how to kind of like smooth off the, the, the rough edges and maybe not get so mad sometimes. Um, but, but there's still an issue that I have, and that's that sometimes when I'm angry, I, I speak. <laughs> right? Do you ever do that? Sometimes when you're really mad, like you talk. And then all of a sudden, all these really bad things happen. <laughs> it's like you open your mouth and all this stuff comes out. And then it's like, no, no, come back. And you can't. And it, it, So sometimes when I'm angry, I open my mouth and bad things come out. Um, and I just can't, I can't help it. It's, it's, like, it's like this other thing takes over. Um, and, and again, I think that's something that over the years I've learned how to not do so much. But it seems like still every now and then, no matter how hard I try, I have this little problem where I, I get mad and then I open my mouth and then just stupid comes out. Um, and maybe you're a little bit like that. There, there was a time in particular that I remember when I was in college. Now, I went to an NAIA Division II college, okay? So there's NCAA and there's NAIA. <laughs> and then there's NAIA Division I and then there's NAIA Division II. So this is, we're way down the totem pole, Okay. Um, and then, so I, I'm playing in an intramural basketball game. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with what intramurals are, it's all the people who wish they were good enough to play college sports and aren't, so they play against each other at their school. Okay, so NCAA, NAIA, Division II, intramurals, B-League, which is below the A-League, regular season game. Okay, so we've got the picture now, like 
This is about as low as you can get and still think you're something playing, playing sports. Um, and, and I grew up playing basketball, which I know you assume by my um, extremely imposing physique. Uh, but I grew up playing basketball. It, it was at one time in my life kind of my world. Um, I love it. I, I love it more than almost life itself sometimes. So I'm in this intramural basketball game, and I am, I am hyper competitive. Like, I'm the guy who sees, like, upward sports, you know what I mean? Like, the non-competitive, like, yeah, everybody gets a trophy, who sees those leagues, and I'm like, that's dumb, that's stupid, get rid of it. Um, I want a trophy, I want to win, I want my kids to learn what winning is. I'm, I'm uber hyper-competitive, right? So, um, so I'm in this intramural, NAIA, Division II, intramural, B-League, regular season basketball game. And there's this ref. His name's Ricky. Ricky was a bad ref. Like, North Carolina bad, you know what I mean? Um, so, so Ricky's repping this game, and honestly, like, I have no recollection of what happened during the game, other than the fact that we lost, and I hated Ricky for it. Like, it was totally Ricky's fault that we lost this completely inconsequential game, and I just went nuts. I went totally ballistic on this kid. <laughs> Crazy. Like, I came up, like, so here's the, here's the other pieces. I was at a Christian college, so I couldn't say the things that were actually happening in my mind. So the best insult I could come up with was all I remember was at some point in time I said something about, you're a joke to light! Because I couldn't get kicked out of school for that. And uh, I just went on and on, like, like five minutes, just screamed at this kid in the middle of a gym over an intramural B-League basketball game. Have any of you ever been there, like... Where you don't even really know what happened, but like something took you over and your mouth opened and then 10 minutes later you were like, oh my goodness, what did I just do? Ricky and I were not friends moving forward. Um, I don't think. He never spoke to me, so I assume he didn't really think very highly of me. I felt bad, but never really knew how to handle that. So um, fortunately, I think over the years I've mellowed. I've learned how to not do that. But if you're anything at all like me, there's probably been a point in time in your life, maybe a few points in time, uh, where you really messed up a relationship, where you really hurt somebody, uh, where you really uh, opened your mouth and stupid came out, and in the end you couldn't pull it back, and you did some damage. I hope that hasn't happened to you very much, but, but what I know about people after being in ministry for um, now almost 10 years, um, what I know about people is this, all of us on some level deal with this. Now for some of us, we're very overt, right? Like I, I am not a person, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. If I'm mad at you, you're going to know that. <laughs> um, I try not to, I, I, I try to temper it, but, but I'm not a person who um, is very passive aggressive. Like if I've got a problem, I'm just going to let you know. Um, my wife says that's because I'm from the north. Um, I say it's because it's a better way to live. Um, but you know, what have you. Uh, some of you are probably a little bit more uh, subtle about it. Maybe you're a little bit passive-aggressive. Um, I don't know how to be passive-aggressive. It just doesn't make sense to me. But maybe for some of you, like, you're the person who you're mad at somebody and so you, like, post a snarky Facebook comment. Don't be that guy. Please don't be that guy. Um, but, but, but no matter who you are, all of us at some point in our lives struggle a little bit, some more so than others, with allowing what's inside of us to come out and then we have to deal with the damage and the carnage that follows in our relationships, right? I hope that hasn't happened to you a lot. And I hope that you're not smirking and elbowing the person next to you. Um, 
because uh, you're going to be in trouble later if you're doing that. Um, but what I know is that the sometimes I open my mouth and stupid comes out. That rule applies to everyone on some level or another. Now, today we're starting a series called Head and Heart. And over the last few weeks, we were working through uh, the book of James and, and talking about some different things. This series, we're finishing out the book of James. And specifically, we're going to be talking about how what we do externally is always a result or a natural byproduct of what is already inside us. So what we do externally is always a product of what's in our head and what's in our heart. What we do outside is never just kind of on its own. It's always a natural overflow of what's inside of us. Now, Jesus said it this way in the book of Luke when he was teaching. He said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Another translation says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so this is just kind of a foundation. Like what I want you to understand today is that as we talk about the stuff that comes out of our mouths, you've got to know that it's not just what comes out of, your, out of your mouth that matters. It's actually that what's coming out of your mouth is naturally what's coming out of your heart. Okay, so we just got to lay that foundation. Um, and so, that doesn't say a lot about me and my story with Ricky. Like, that, that says a lot about my character at the time. Uh, we'll say that's 12 years ago, so I've dealt with some of that. <laughs> Jesus has, has worked on me. Um, but it's out of the overflow of what's inside of you that your mouth speaks. Okay, so now that we've got that, there's not really any context to this passage. Like, James writes this letter, and he just kind of in the middle of it goes on this rant about how terrible our mouths are. And so, um, so we're just going to dig right in. I'm going to kind of talk through this as we go and then let you know why I think this matters so much at the end. So this is what it says in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. So um, Whitney, I apologize. If Whitney's like jumping around, it's totally my fault. Um, but here's what it says in James chapter 12, or James chapter 3, I'm sorry, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers because... You who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, real quick, before we move on, he's speaking specifically about people who are like doing what I'm doing right now, who are kind of like in a public forum influencing other people. But for our, purposes, for our purposes today, what I want you to see is this. When he says teachers, what he means is people who are in a position of influence over other people. This is just a relational status. It's not really like, like don't tune out on me because you're like, well, I'm just sitting in the pew today and you're up there talking, so God's going to judge you really strictly. Yeah, he is. That's what the verse says. But what I want you to understand is that if you are in a position of influence over anyone in life, and I would say that 100% of you are in a position of influence over someone. There's somebody who looks up to you. There's somebody who respects what you have to say. There's somebody who values you. Then this applies to you. So then he goes on. We all stumble in many ways, and anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, and they're able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. So now he goes, he says, hey, if you're in a position of authority, understand you're going to be judged strictly. And then he goes into this thing about bits in horses' mouths and like rudders on ships. And basically the point is he's like, listen, your tongue is this little tiny piece of your body, but it steers everything, everything about the people that you're in a position of influence over. So when we put bits into the horse's mouths, like this little tiny bit, you don't have to turn the whole horse. If you turn that bit, 
just a little tiny bit, you change the trajectory of that horse. You change the path they're on. He says the same things about ships. Take ships for an example. They're big. They have this little rudder. If you turn the rudder, the whole path of the ship changes. You could end up in a whole different place. You'd end up in an entirely different location by turning the rudder on a ship by a tenth of an inch. Completely changes your destination. So then he goes on. And now he just kind of rails on how stupid our mouths are. <laughs> Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. It's a world of evil. It's all these terrible things. It's set on fire by the pits of hell. Now, this is kind of weird, so let's just take a minute and address here. Basically, what Paul's saying is like, listen, I told my story about going crazy on this kid in intramural B-League basketball. Like, that's what he's saying. Like, there's, a, there's, there's an enemy to our souls who wants to destroy us, and who wants to destroy the people around us, and he knows the easiest way to do it is just to get you talking, right? Some of you know exactly what I mean, because you're like, when I talk a little bit, I'm good, but then when I start talking a lot, like, I just, there's a lot of junk that comes out of my mouth that I don't know where it's coming from, and that's kind of what he's getting at, so let's not get lost in this weird, you know, the tongue set on fire by hell, like, there's an enemy who knows the fastest way to destroy stuff is just to get people talking. They'll eventually screw it up, and I know I say that because that's my world, the more I talk, the, the, danger, the, the, the more and more dangerous places I get into sometimes. So, don't get thrown off by that. That's all he's saying. He goes on. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles. There's all these different creatures that have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Thanks, James. You're really helping us out here. Tongue's a terrible thing. You can't do anything about it, right? Well, then he kind of flips the script. And this is what he says to close out this passage. He says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Go ahead and go to the next one for me, Whitney. I told you it's totally my fault because I'm just jumping on her. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. So here's what I want you to see. James starts this passage by talking about relationships. Teachers, students, if you're in a position of influence, you've got to be careful with what you say. Then he goes on this big rant about how terrible our mouths are and we can't control them and blah, blah, blah. And then he ends it, because beginning and ends are really important in, bi in biblical literature. So he ends it again with relationship. He ends it with, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this could not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Obviously not, rhetorical. And then he says, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear fruit? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So he begins with relationship, goes on this big rant about how terrible our tongues are. And then he says at the end, with the same mouth, there's another translation that says, with the same mouth you praise God the Father and you curse your fellow brother and sister. How can this be? Like a salt water, a salt water spring can't produce fresh water. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't line up. If you're spewing praise for God out of your mouth on one hand and curses for your brothers on this earth out of the, out of the other, something doesn't line up here. What's the issue? But this doesn't make sense, right? Because he just talked for like six verses about how we can't tame our tongues. And so I, I finished reading this passage and kind of go, huh, the heck are you talking about? And it may be a little bit that way for you. But here's what I think is so important about why James begins this section with relationships and then he ends it with relationships. You see, James understands something extremely, extremely important, and that's that tongues... Your tongue, the words you speak, um, it's not what they do to us, it's what they do to those around us that matters. 
See, the words you speak don't really, like, they, they don't impact you all that much. They can. But what James understands is, is that relationships are where people's lives, the trajectories of their lives, the, the, the destination of their lives, relationships are where those things are determined. Okay, don't miss that. Relationships are where the trajectory and the end point of people's lives is determined. And so, the reason what you say matters is because when you speak, you're impacting the people around you always, particularly those who um, are in positions where you're in a position of influence over them. Now, you've all grown up, and, and I'm sure at some point in your life, you've heard the, the, the phrase, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? Some of you probably taught your kids that. Some of you learned that when you were a kid, and somebody like on the playground would hurl an insult at you, and you, sticks and stones may break my bones, and words will never hurt me, right? It's not true. Everybody knows that's not true. It's an absolute lie. Now, sure, it might be true that like if some random stranger, you're walking down the street and some random stranger hurls an insult at you, you're going to just slough that off and not care, right? But we all know that at some point in our life, someone has said something to us that now is stuck in the depth of our soul, right? At some point in your life, somebody has spoken something over you. Someone has, has, has made a statement about who you are as a person that you have never been able to to let go of. It has deeply impacted who you are. It has deeply impacted the way you view yourself. Right? The sticks and stones things, it's not true. Words do hurt. Words absolutely hurt. And this is why this is such an important issue for James. Again, it's, it's not what we say and how it impacts us that matters. It's that when we're in a position of influence, when we're in a teacher position, when we have influence over other people, the words that we speak have the potential to bring life or the potential to bring death to that person. You see, the, the truth that James understood and that I want you to understand today, please don't miss this, this is so huge, is that the tongue transforms trajectory. It's a little bit of a little bit of an alliteration, a little preacher guy thing, right? Like the tongue transforms trajectory, but it's, it's true. What I mean by that is the words you speak, the things you say to those who are underneath you, to those who look up to you, they will forever change and transform the trajectory of that person's life forever. They will. They do. Because God's kingdom, the kingdom of God is always built relationally. The kingdom of God is always, always, always built relationally. Now, I'm going to prove that to you here because a lot of people think that, that in kind of the faith world, in the church world, that people's lives are impacted most through attending church. That's the big thing we do, right? We go to church because it changes people's lives. I'm going to, I'm going to say something that might shock you a little bit. I don't think what I'm saying today is going to change most of your lives all that much. I don't. I don't think that this time right now is what's ever going to change your life. I think relationships do. And, I, and, and here's, here's how I want to prove that to you for a minute. I want you to take a moment. I really want you to try to do this. I want you to try to remember the last three sermons you heard preached. Like what was the main point? What was the scripture? What was the application? Try to remember the last three sermons. Like really, try to do that for a second. I'll give you a minute. Now, I have to give a caveat here. This is not an indictment on Ben. Okay, because next week you're not going to remember what I said. But now I want you to take a moment and try to remember 10 people who have changed the course of your life. 
10 people who have changed the course of your life. Now, my guess is if, I, if you actually had a piece of paper and you were writing it down, you'd be able to write down 10 names, just boom, 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 boom. And it's because life change always happens in relationships. It always happens in relationships. I'm going to do a, a total side note here. This is not in my notes. I wasn't even planning on saying this. But, um, but since, since there was an announcement today about, uh, about small groups, um, hey, I'm not here at this church anymore. Like, if you guys don't go to small groups, that's cool. It doesn't impact me. But here's what I want you to know. Small groups matter because they'll change your life. It's not about the church having, like, good small group attendance. Ben doesn't care at all if you're in small groups so that he can say, well, we had 75 people in small groups this week. Ben cares that you're in small groups because small groups can change your life forever. Because when you are intimately known by other people who know your flaws, who know your faults, who know that, the, the, like, who know that, hey, sometimes Andrew has an anger issue, and it's cool. I love him, and if he gets out of line, I'm going to tell him he's out of line because I love him. It changes your life. It changes your life forever. This is why small groups are so important, because relationships are where life change happens. And so this is why James goes on this huge thing, because the words you speak, the things you say, particularly to people who look up to you and who respect you and who you have influence over, they will change those people's lives forever. They will change their trajectory forever. And, and there, there's just, I can't say this strongly enough, there's no middle ground. You don't just, like you're not in relationship with people and then in the end they're like, okay, cool, that didn't, that didn't do anything to me. If you're in a position of influence, you are impacting someone. Parents, that's your kids. If you're a parent to a child, you are forever impacting the trajectory of their lives every time you speak to them. Every single time. Teachers, you know, coaches. I mean, it's really obvious to, to look and to say, hey, if you're like... I'm in a position of influence right now. For some of you, you might be going, hey, I, I'm not an, influence over, an influencer over anybody. You are. There's somebody in your life, somebody who looks up to you, somebody who thinks you're something. If you're like, a, if you're like 17, you might think, I don't have anybody that I influence. There's some 10-year-old in your life that thinks you're the coolest person that ever walked the face of the earth. Because 10-year-olds think teenagers are amazing. <laughs> if you're 10... You might have a little brother or a little sister or a little cousin. There's somebody who looks up to you. And every time you speak to that person, you're turning that ship's rudder just a little bit. And it's up to you what direction you turn it. And so, in this, uh, in this passage, James talks all this time about how terrible the tongue is and whatever. And so, so what, do we, what do we do with that? Well, I think James gave us the answer to that question just a couple chapters earlier. In James chapter 1, verse 19... This is what he says. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. If I could put that in street terms, I would say that you need to listen fast and speak slow. You need to listen fast and you need to speak slow. Now, don't, don't miss this though, because that word listen, it's really significant. You see, listening is different than hearing. Listening is active. Listening means you're actually trying to put yourself into that person's shoes and understand what they're saying. It's intentional. It's purposeful. And here's why that matters. You need to listen to this. Here's why that matters. When you listen to someone, you move yourself from being the authority 
who knows all and who is the most important, and you say, you are more important than me. You flip the order. And when you flip the order, when you put someone else above yourself, your heart changes in the process. James is brilliant. He's so stinking smart. Listen, your tongue is terrible. You can't control it. You can't do But you better be careful what you say. So, listen fast and speak slow. Because when you do, you breathe life into that other person. And as you breathe life into that person, not just do you change their lives, but you change your heart as well. And as your heart changes, as you begin to more and more put, put people into uh, positions where you're saying you're more important than me, what you have to say is more important than, than how I feel, you matter most, your, your heart begins to change and become a heart full of compassion and love. And it gradually begins to fill up with compassion and love until we go all the way back and, and out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks until your heart is so full of love and compassion for other people that you can't help but lavish that love externally. You can't help but speak life into other people's lives. You can't help but, but, but be a bringer of life. You can't help but take the trajectory of people's lives and set it toward Jesus. And so as we get ready to kind of close out today um, and go into a time of communion, here's, here's what I want to tell you. Um, I know this is true, not because the Bible says it, but I know this is true because I've seen this in my life. There was, uh, there was a man who, when I was a, a teenager, when I was, you know, probably like, uh, 12 through 17, who was incredibly influential in my life. His name was Mike. Mike was a youth leader in my youth group. And um, Mike was one of the most genuine, godly, um, just Christ-centered men I've ever known. Now, I was a little bit difficult as a teenager. I was a 15-year-old who was a strong, competitive type A personality, right? Like, I was obnoxious. I was the teenager that most adults are like, man, I hate teenagers. Like, I was that kid, you know what I mean? Um, and, and Mike, man, Mike loved me. He just loved me. No matter what I did, no matter how many stupid things I said, no matter how often I screwed something up and, and, and was a jerk to some other kid, Mike would pull me back. Now, Mike contracted cancer for the second time um, when I was about 16. And um, it was hard for us. Uh, my, my family was pretty close to him. And um, I, I'll never forget, I... I I'm a pretty forgetful guy, um, but, but I, there's this memory that's seared into my brain. I came home from school one afternoon. I was 17 years old, and I, I came home from school. And, um, my mom said, hey, hey, Andrew, um, there's a message for you on the voicemail. <laughs> you guys remember voicemail? That used to be a thing. Um, hey, there's a message for you on the voicemail. It's Mike. You're going to want to listen to it. And so I, I went, and I picked up the phone and dialed the voicemail number, and, you know, um, and I started to listen. And I'm probably going to get emotional. The cancer and the chemo had, had been ravaging Mike's body to the point that he was very weak. And, and as he started to speak to me in the message that day, um, it didn't even sound like him. It sounded like a completely different person. You know, Mike was always a strong, outgoing, you know, I'm on top of the world kind of guy. And that day, it was, it was small. His voice was small and it was weak and it was feeble almost. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, hey, Andrew, I just wanted to call today and tell you that I love you. And I'm so proud of the man of God that you're becoming. I'm so proud of the way you serve God with your whole heart. I can't wait to see what God does in your life. I can't wait to see where you end up one day because I know it's going to be amazing because God is at work in you. 
I love you. I'm praying for you. Goodbye. So we hung up the phone. And I just remember standing in my kitchen, kind of like this. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I don't remember a lot of phone calls I've gotten over the years. But I'll never forget that one. And it's because in that moment, a man dying of cancer said, hey, I'm going to speak life into a 17-year-old boy who struggles sometimes and who doesn't know what his future holds. And I'll tell you right now, there have been so many people in my life who have spoken death into my life and who have said, you're nothing, you're not valuable, you'll never amount to anything, you are nothing. But then there was Mike. Mike stood in the gap. And in six weeks, I'm going to launch a church. bring the lost sons and daughters of God home to tip the scales of heaven in our community. And I wouldn't be doing that if it weren't for people like Mike Paris, who now is, now is dead in a grave in Columbus and will never know any of those people whose lives he impacted because he spoke life into me. So be careful with the words you speak. Listen fast and speak slowly because you have the opportunity to bring life into those people who are around you or you have the opportunity to bring death. Do not bring death, I beg you. Always bring life because when you do, the world changes forever. People change forever. Sticks and stones won't break your, may break your bones and Words will hurt, but they don't have to. And so as we go into a time of communion, what I want you to do is just reflect for a moment on the people who have been a part of your life, who have spoken life into you and who have forever changed the trajectory of your life, who have pointed you to Jesus by the way they loved you and by the words they spoke and how they offered you life when you needed it the most. And I want you to consider, I want you to consider, out of the overflow of your heart, are you offering life Where are you offering death? Speak slowly and listen quickly and the world will never be the same.